Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, into another edition of Smooth Operators, our summer shenanigans. I believe this is our 10th episode. Is that correct, Noah? Certainly do hope it's 10th, Greg, because that's what I called it here on the WEGL YouTube channel. Do we call but it yes. 9.5? It was yes. 9.5. Yes. Okay. So but right. nonetheless, we are back once again talking about Formula One action. It's a race week, gentlemen. We have our Hungarian Grand Prix preview at the end of this race. But to start it off, of course, Noah Phillips, Ben McClurkin are joining me. Griggs Blank, we're back here again. We're only got a few more episodes, boys, before we are back inside the Melton Student Center at our normally scheduled time at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Weagle Airwaves 91.1 FM in Auburn, Opelika area. But now, after my long intro, that's why I don't do the intros, that's why I do the outros, um, it is time to talk about Red Bull. We feel like this has been a theme for a, the past couple weeks. Now, of course, if you missed any of our show that we did with Daniel Ricardo going back to Alpari, that you could check that out on the YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform where we go in-depth on Danny Rick returning to Formula One. But now the question is around, what is next for Sergio Perez? We've talked about this in detail before, but now things are starting to heat up more to the point where people are thinking a outperformance by Daniel Ricardo this weekend in a Alvatari than uh, Checo's Red Bull could see some drastic actions be taken over this up this impending summer break. Thoughts? I personally think that's jumping the gun a little bit, given that Perez has, in fact, won a race this season and Daniel Ricardo hasn't driven a car. But, <laughs> I mean, anything could happen. It's Formula One, you know, and it's it's totally possible that Perez could finish 11th and Danny Rick could win. Um, barring anything supernatural, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, you never know. That's just you never unfun, do. Ben. No. That's just unfun. You got to have faith that something crazy will happen, so we can get more listeners on this podcast. You have to believe, Ben. All right. I'm going to start, call, start calling you Vanilla McClurkin just because of how bland your takes are. That was a good one. Good good job, Griggs. I'm proud of that. Who was the one that said Daniel Ricardo was going to get put in the seat? Me. My takes are accurate. They're dead accurate. Nonetheless. But ben, does bring, but ben does bring up a good point. I mean, Checo, of course, still is number two in the Drivers' Championship. Yada, yada, yada. Two race wins this year. Just that with the car that he's been giving. We talk a lot about here about equal machinery, right, Noah? We talk a lot about equal machinery. They have equal machinery. And now when Max is winning pole positions, he's won five in a row. And then you see uh, Checo failing to get out of key twos. That's a problem for Red Bull to see. And, I mean, you just want to see better for them. I mean, yes, if, if it comes down to the end of the day, if they win the championship and they get one and two in the driver's standings, that's not going to be any care how he doesn't qualify because it's really mattering what he does on Sunday. He seems to be able to overtake and get back into the points almost every time. 
but he has some had some mistakes. We especially saw that some last year in the middle of the season where he had that little stretch of just bad fortune. I mean, I remember I think back to Canada where he spun out, and I think qualifying then he spun out in once the race started. But you're yeah, talking about it, uh, Ricardo, right? Greg's or Perez? No, Perez. Perez. Sorry, okay. Perez. I just, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure. Um, and yeah, sorry, no. No, say so he's had no, no. bad luck kind of already this year with how it's gone, and we have a summer break coming up that I know that we're going to talk about later. But if he can just get some more time under his belt, uh, I know this may not be the spiciest of takes, but I don't think they're going to take him out of the car. It'd be real funny if they did, and it'd get a lot of people clicking on social media. The script writers, yeah. folks, the script writers script are the writers. ones that want that to happen. So that may the script be writers have been kind of quiet this year. The they script have. writers haven't really been doing much. Well, they're, they're saving the up for the end. Strike. You know, the writers strike. Oh, they're on strike. perfect. Mm. No, amazing. Good. That's why but we yeah, have. The, I love how you just. The inside. I love how you just blame me for having a mediocre take or a, a, a lukewarm take, and then proceeded to give the exact same take. Well, no, I'm blaming it Welcome. on the on the uh, script writers being in strike right now. Uh, okay, <laughs> and not on like. I, that's right. You're a Ferrari fan. Sorry. Anytime you think <laughs> rationally, there's conspiracy involved. <laughs> that's a funny one. But anyway, you know, Noah's, Noah's a great guy. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and it's been a pleasure co-hosting with him, especially for his takes on Ferrari's successes and failures. But speaking of, you know, back to Perez, it's kind of – it's kind of been hard to see any improvement from him this season. If anything, he's gone backwards. And I think that's something Red Bull should be evaluating because do they want to be complacent with a driver who's slowly sliding backwards probably next season? If their form's not as strong, they need somebody who can back Max up. They need somebody who can look out for him. And that's that's kind of where I see the other side of this argument, too, because, you know, at, at first glance, they're like, well, I mean, he's doing fine in second, but you need to think about your long-term investment. And if Daniel Ricardo is the guy that can bring you forward again and have a more clear understanding of his position in the team than the last time he was there, <laughs> then um, you definitely can see stronger results for the team. And do they do that? Do they go with a young talent? Do they look to somebody in a junior series, a feeder series, or Alex Pelot even? Um, um He's been an eye-catching talent in IndyCar this season, currently leading the championship. And his results have been strong. Um, and a lot of people, including uh, Stefano Domenicali, have been watching him. And Stefano's in charge of F1. And he knows what he's talking about, right? Um, previously ran Ferrari. Like, he knows what he's doing. And the fact that Alex Blow has caught his eye makes me think that maybe – Maybe if not Red Bull, Alpha Tower, and you know you could see some kind of a swap with Ricardo to Red Bull and Polo to Alpha Tower, or or status quo, or DeVries comes back. Who knows? There's so much variability right now, and so much change that could happen. It's it's really hard to call. Yeah, and then we also have to talk about the fact that just like all the experienced drivers that are still out there. I mean, I feel like Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc have been linked to every team. Who has an uncertainty yeah. next year? It's I, I remember seeing a, some tweet from our Smop account on Twitter. It was like 
all the teams that are reportedly linked to Lando Norris and it lists like every team. So, I mean, you have that. I mean, if you're Rebel, I imagine you're one going to go with some experience. I don't feel like yeah. they go to a to a driver who has not raced in Formula One yet. That just doesn't seem like their forte ever since the uh, Alex Albon kind of disaster. Uh, not really disaster, just not. And also the Pierre Gasly shenanigans. Well, yeah. Well, Pierre is the race winner. Alex is not. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't a race winner when he got the promotion. Oh, no, that's true. When but he a, when he was a Red Bull, he was driving okay at Alpha Tower, but they needed a driver. And so they put him in the seat. He didn't do well. Mid-season swapped him with Albon. Albon did okay and then fell off rapidly. And they straight up told him to go race GT cars. <laughs> like, that's kind of the environment that's there. And I honestly am not a fan. I think giving young drivers the opportunity to grow, for example, at Williams has been important and actually helped um, both Alex and Logan because Alex found his footing. Last year, I mean, he had virtually no competition for a teammate, um, but he also did well on his own. Like he could stand on his own, and that I think is a huge confidence boost for him, and also for Logan Sargent, who, with growth and time, has become somebody that James Fallis has said, "Yeah, he's he's doing exactly what we want him to do." So giving somebody, all that to say, giving somebody at Red Bull a shot that's young is going to come with few chances and even fewer second chances. Yeah, um, I still think they're just, I don't know, I feel like in my head the perfect matchup, I think, for all Red Bull related stuff, I think it would be Max and Lando, but I could be proven wrong because just they have seemed to have good... They, they seem to have good people. chemistry, but I'm not sure if the I mean, every... match isn't Max and Daniel, just because of the fact that Max is not exactly a media darling, like the way that uh, Daniel Ricardo is, and I think if Max continues to win and act kind of like a prima donna and pit on the well, last lap, they need somebody that can talk a whole lot better to the media. Well, in, in a new sense of the word, Lando Norris is the closest thing you can get to Daniel Ricciardo. So, yeah, that's correct. But, but, like with, but with Daniel, it's just like, again, like, is he going to get another chance at the top-tier car? That's the question, because he's nearing these final stages where he hasn't performed in recent years, besides the, the win in 2021. But who knows? If he can get that Alvatari to the points this weekend, it, he could do the, He could conquer the world. For all I know, if so, yeah, okay. if Avatar gets double, oh, that could be a great prediction. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic of discussion. It is almost time for the summer break, so we have one, two more races before the summer break. We have Hungary this weekend and Belgium next week, and then we go off for a month, and then we're back at Auburn, boys. We're gonna be done with the YouTubes for now. So ten races in to the season. We remember we had round seven in Italy cancel, or round six in Italy cancel. The Imola Grand Prix was canceled due to rain. But let's go ahead and do a mid-season kind of recap. Checking back at the standings, of course, still in first place is Max Verstappen, 255 points. Sergio Perez, 156 points in second. Both the Red Bulls up top. 
Still in third place, hanging on there by 16 points, is Fernando Alonso of Aston Martin, followed by Lewis Hamilton of Mercedes, 121. Next up is the Ferrari boy, Carlos Sainz, with 83 points. He is currently one point above George Russell in six with 82, followed by Charles Leclerc, eight points behind Russell with 74 points. Then there's a big drop-off to next to Lance Stroll of Aston Martin in eighth, 44 points. Two points behind him last week's second on the podium. It is Lando Norris of McLaren at ninth place, 42 points. And in 10th place, everyone's favorite racer on the show, it's Esteban Alcon, 31 points for Alpine. Then it goes Piastri, 11th, Gasly, 12th, Albon, 13th, Hulkenberg, 14th, Bottas, 15th, Guan Yu Zhou, 16th, Sonoda, 17th, Magnussen, 18th, Sergeant, 19th, and DeVries, 20th. We're going to have 21 drivers on the standings after this weekend, boys. And in the constructors, we have Red Bull commanding lead of 411 points, followed by Mercedes, yeah, 203. Everybody else is covered. <laughs> what did you say? But yeah, like the standings with constructors, I don't, I don't think we need to get into it. It's Red Bull and then everybody else being. Yeah, real. that's true. The only really close one we see is like, again, Alpine and McLaren could be battling now for fifth and sixth. 59 points for McLaren, yeah. 47 Alpine. Other than that, it's just a fight at the bottom where we could see. Williams and Haas kind of battle it out near the end of the year. Yeah, I could. I would love to see that. Honestly, I think that'd be a very exciting battle. Also, like the fact that at uh, Silverstone, a Williams was fighting a Ferrari and an Aston Martin was just incredible. So good to watch, and it's good to see them make some kind of a return to the points. I don't know how long that's going to last, and I don't think Hungary is going to be the strongest track. But I said that about Silverstone, so I could be wrong. But so far through the season, what really, besides the Red Bull dominance and Max, what is something that's really stood out to you, boys? The McLaren turnaround just jumps out at me, personally. The fact that they went from apologizing to how bad their car is to now fighting for podium positions in one race. And they're kind of realistic. They're like, we'd hope to see this, but we doubt it will. That track just really suits our car. I would love to see that continue. Noah? I think uh, it's Logan Sargent. I really expected him to come in and have at least one point by now going into summer break. Uh, He may get one over in Hungary. I don't have faith in it, but I really thought that that Williams car was going to be a little bit better developed, uh, like we talked about on a previous episode. The bottom of it is completely flat. I really thought they were going to come in and have a decent car, and Logan Sargent was going to have at least three or four points by now. The fact that he does not have a point has really surprised me because he was a fantastic driver. Plus, he's from America. Not even that, he's from Florida. That's like higher standing. Um, I've just been very surprised that Williams has not done better than what they have. Mm. I think for me, honestly, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Grace. I was going to say, one thing that's left out to me is um, the fact that he's not used to the car at all. Um, driving an F1 car is a completely different ballgame, but driving that F1 car and being off the pace to Albon is no surprise. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of level your expectations a little bit with him. And it's level mine, too. <laughs> I definitely thought he was going to be scoring points, and at least I was hoping he was. I think for me, what I'm going to say now is the 
back and forth battle between Aston Martin and Mercedes. I think that's been a really great point for the season. After the first couple races, everyone's like, okay, it's going to be Aston. We're not really seeing it from the Mercedes just yet. Mercedes has slowly started to come back into the mix with podiums for Lewis and George and just the way that Mercedes has been able to upgrade that. Whereas Aston Martin really hasn't shown that second part to the past like couple races oomph, where their upgrades really haven't been enough to keep a hold of that uh, Mercedes. I mean, it could change this weekend. Who knows? 70 laps is a lot of laps of racing. So, but I don't know. I mean, you have the two most experienced drivers in Formula One driving for both teams. You have Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton. You have two younger-ish guys in Lance Stroll and George Russell. George, a one-time race winner. Uh, Stroll, only a one-time podium. But Again, I think it could come down to the end of the season, too. Let's see if this Aston Martin team can build on this success, especially if they can get second choice in the pit lane for next season's thing. I think that could be... It's a lot bigger than people realize just how much that matters just to get out of your pit lane and go. But, yeah. Um, another thing. What has been... A, uh, no, already did kind of a disappointment. We'll go... Hmm. Yeah, let's do one disappointment. No, just don't say Logan Sargent again for Ben. Yeah, that was that's that was going to be mine too. Um, I, I came into the season with higher expectations. I'm not really sure why because I knew that they were going to be a last place team, but I thought they may have gotten two points and one off of each driver. Alex Albon has performed way above and beyond. But um, my biggest disappointment is Ferrari. I came into the season kind of excited to see them back. You know, hey, they. They may have had some difficulties at the end of the season, last season, but they at least look like they have a fast car, and their pace has just been nowhere near where I thought it would be. No, But that gave me the joy of watching Aston Martin, too. So, <laughs> No, what you got? Well, Ben, you picked it up, and you stole it from me. And you went off, and you outran me, so I couldn't talk about it. I'll go ahead and say Ferrari too, but obviously me, I, I love my team. I love my home team. Anything less than first is a disappointment to me. Um, so I won't get too far into it. I'll talk about a different topic, how to try to help us out here. Pierre Gasly, to me in the Alpine, being in 12th right now, is very surprised. There's a lot of guys in front of him that are really fast in the standings, but I thought he was going to – be a more 30-point guy like Ocon is right now, I think he could have gotten 15 more points, uh, 14 more points in that Alpine by now. Um, Luck of the draw, something might happen in Hungary. I believe that's where he won last year, two years ago, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Something could change at Hungary, but right now 12th going into the summer break. Uh, one spot in front of Alexander Albon is not the best season that I thought Pierre Gasly was capable of. No. Yeah, I was going to say Gasly kind of too, but for me, I'm going to go Kevin Magnussen. Just what he did kind of last year, he got a car on pole for Haas, their first time ever. He got uh, His first race back in Formula 1, didn't even get to test the car really, uh, gets fifth in... Um, in um, um, First race. Why am I blinking on the first race of the season? Bahrain. Bahrain. He gets fifth in Bahrain last year, and then this year, 
gets uh, Hulkenberg on the team and just hasn't done much. It's not. I mean, the Haas car isn't great, but we've seen um, K Mag put in. Um, sorry, no, we've seen Hulk put in some good times in the car, especially before he got penalized. He got that P two up in uh, Canada, I believe, or the for the qual after qualifying. So, mm-hmm. and just a lot of bad race luck this season for Haas, but. Especially with him being in a contract year, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the summer if they're going to extend Magnuson or let him walk since this is his last year of his contract. But, yeah. Anything else you guys stand out to you before we get to our preview? No, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. So it's the Hungarian Grand Prix this week. And the Formula 1 Qatar Airways Hungarian Grand Prix 2023 race will be at... 8 a.m. Central Standard Time this weekend. Qualifying is at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on Saturday, the 22nd. And for the circuit, we have a 4.381-kilometer track with 14 turns, two DRS zones, both in the part of the first sector. Lap record is held by Sir Lewis Hamilton in 2020 with a 116.627. Race distance, 306.63 kilometers, 70 laps, Night first Grand Prix happened in 1986. I believe last year's winner was Max Verstappen, and I'm correct. Max Verstappen in first, Lewis Hampton second, and George Russell in third. So we're back to Hungary, boys. Yeah, back to Hungary. Um, we definitely won't be starving for action. Um, yeah, um, but I definitely could see. I could, I could see it being a very boring one-sided race, and I could also see it being um, a DRS train kind of deal, just because of how narrow the track is. But you never know, you know. Like this year, the guys have been going for it more, I think, than last year in the lower positions. I mean, think back to Silverstone um, a week ago, and like. Gasly and Stroll were fighting for 11th, and I mean, shoot, what was that? The Williams too was up in the up in the top eight and just duking it out with everybody. And then you had McLaren and Mercedes going back and forth, and like the excitement that was Silverstone could be matched with because of the willingness of the drivers to put it on the line this season versus last season. Because I feel like last season they weren't as sure of the car at this point in the season. So we could see some really good action, hopefully. Um, but it could wind up being totally boring, too. It's 50-50. <laughs> Brothers, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I have been hungry for this uh, Hungaro Ring race. I know you made a hungry joke either uh, earlier, Ethan, uh, Ethan, but Ben, I'm, take, I'm doing one, too, because this was the track that I would continuously and continuously hot lap in F1 2021, I absolutely love this circuit. It's phenomenal to drive on the F1 game. I'm sure it's phenomenal to drive in an actual F1 car. Uh, this is, this has always been the soft spot uh, soft spot of my heart on the F1 calendar. If the FIA ever try to get ri- uh, rid of it, I may do something totally out of my mind. But that's a there, joke. There, there was a real. <laughs> that is a joke. That that is indeed a joke. Um, there was a real Cinderella story last year with Pierre Gasly uh, winning in Hungary, 
Uh, I don't know what the weather is going to be like this weekend. Uh, Max won last year. Uh, two two yeah, years ago three. with Pierre Gasly winning two years <laughs> ago. Um, it was 2020. That was three years ago. No, it's two. Because is it three? It's here. Because 2021, it was Lewis. I think y'all are making. I think y'all are making stuff up, brother. Um, <laughs> My bad. Fact checking is not our thing. I mean, again, everybody, no, I absolutely. No, not our strong suit. No, we we are here to talk. We don't know the facts. All right. Um, we don't know wheel. We don't know wheel. All right. This is this was actually a NASCAR podcast at one point. So. <laughs> Um, I mean, your break was brutal. I'll just wrap it up by saying this is one of my favorite circuits on the F1 calendar. I'm actually going to be watching this one. Um, I can't wait to get the predictions right and come in next Sunday and say that I got the predictions right. I think for me, when I see this track, it's kind of what Ben was saying, just how DRS dominant that first sector is. It's almost 80% of that first sector, besides from turn three to turn four, basically, is all DRS. So, and the right-hander turn, one of the few on the track to start with a right-hander, I believe. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking yeah. of the other way around. It's left-hand, that's the fewer. Sure, yeah. Right starts with the right-hander. Uh, anyway. Right anyway. Starts with the right-hander. Yeah. Anyway, just the way these quick turns where it's almost like almost a 90 degree turn right off the bat, we could see some early DNFs off there. That's really interesting to me. And just the way just kind of like when you're about to come into that final sector on sector three from turn 12 to 14, just how quickly you have to be doing those hit those turns correctly so you can hit the apex and get out of there, especially if you're you know in the position to get DRS down the main straight. And then... Also, on the back of the track, I find it really interesting. No DRS zones touching any of Sector 2, but the fact that it's just that from turn 6 to turn 9, where you have that just loose quick turn, especially from 6 to 7, a little bit of waste, and then 8 to 9. just It's all kind of just wobbly kind of in the back sector on Sector 2. And I find that really interesting. A really short Sector 3 on this lap, but it could be interesting for, especially with... That's more of a narrow track, as Ben said. I'm going to be interested to see how much passing goes on throughout the race on track. But I'm looking forward to it because this is a good track. And like Noah said, I I do enjoy this track. Is this a telco design, Ben? Uh, No, it was designed designed in the 80s. Okay, I was just going to make sure of that. I was trying to remember if it was or not. No. All right. Makes it better. Makes it better. Mm-hmm. All right, and with that, it's time for our predictions. We're going to start out with poll prediction, like we always do. Ben, who's taking poll on Saturday for the Hungarian Grand Prix? Ooh, um, I'm going to say poll Saturday, Hungarian Grand Prix, Max Verstappen. Easy enough, straightforward. Noah, I'm also going to say Max Verstappen. There's no reason not to. I'm going to actually try to be right this weekend. I'm not going to do none of that funny business. All right? See how long you can hang on with that one. Um, I'm going to go max, too. I'm doing a three for the people. Just, again, 
going on six pole, pole positions in a row. I think it's his longest streak ever. He's currently in for pole positions. And if Red Bull win this race, they are they break the all-time record for most consecutive race wins by a constructor. It'd be 12. But after that, all right, let's just get to a normal prediction. Ben, what do you got? What's a reasonable non-podium prediction? Reasonable non-podium prediction. Prediction. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say give me McLaren double points. Alpine, Alpine double non-points, but like London as well. Ooh, and, or good one. Noah. Give me one yellow flag before the race is over. And that'll be my normal prediction. It's a tricky circuit, Just, especially in the We're back. doing some softballs here <laughs> on Noah's end. The cars will all start the race. Um, there will be a Grand Prix <laughs> this weekend. Don't say that, Emily. Didn't happen. There we um, go. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do Checo gets the Q3. I think it's he's due. It's been what five or six races in a row without a Q3. It's due. He knows the the seat's starting to get more warm. They've turned on the heat the the seat warmers in the Red Bull. So he's got to start doing. He's got to start doing the little things correctly. You got to get into Q three with the Red Bull. You can. You, you are definitely. You were without a question one of the ten fastest cars on the grid. You have to get in there. No matter Romain what. Romain Grosjean's fuel tank is inching closer and closer. Uh, all right, Ben. Crazy prediction. <laughs> well, uh, crazy prediction won't be for no fiery crashes because that's. A softball, but um, man, my tire failure one failed. Uh, give me Danny Rick P eight. P eight or better. P eight or better. Wow. I'm taking, I'm taking the under on it. I'm thinking he at least gets P eight, but or at most gets P eight, but P eight or better is what I'll say. Yeah. Wow. All right, Noah, I tried to top that one. Well, I was originally going to say uh, Daniel Ricardo P10. Now I feel bad. Um, hey. Make make Ben feel bad, go P7. <laughs> it's it's like in um, The Price is Right. I'm going to bet $1 because I bet all y'all went over. Um, oh, God. Um, give me... At least three. No, I won't say. I'll say two. I'll say two of the top three teams' cars don't make it out of Q3. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. I have, I, have a take, I have a take on that take. All right. Those two hot? drivers will be. Yes. No, it's not. Those two drivers will be Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll. Interesting. Is that top three now, though? Because McLaren's back. All right, he's talking about like he's talking about like I I think Noah's talking about the big three. Big three. Oh, I was talking about the top three in the same. I'm going double Ferrari. (laughs) Double Ferrari. What? He have not getting the Q3 like Noah said. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. That's not my prediction. Um, I was gonna kind of go Alvatari heavy, but since Ben did that, I don't want to do that. Um. Sorry, my bad. We no, all want to see it happen. That's the problem. 
We really do. Oh, so All right. Okay. Give me a Haas and give me a Alfa Romeo in the points. Both. Oof. I think that's that crazy enough. All right. It is time for our podium prediction. Ben, who's joining the Max Verstappen experience this weekend? Oh, um, wow. You guessed my P1. How did you know? Ooh, um, I, 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 so tough to call because I have nothing to go off of with this race. It used to be easier when our predictions were done on Friday, not the Sunday before, because then I could be like, oh, yeah, 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 times, yeah. So it says looking strong in P, practice one and practice two. But I mean, I could I could certainly see a Mercedes up there. Um, and I could certainly see an Aston Martin up there. And I think the Mercedes will be driven by Lewis Hamilton taking home P2. And I think Aston Martin will be driven by Fernando Alonso taking P3. But I kind of, now that I say that, I kind of feel like he's going to wind up finishing fifth. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Verham Allo. Noah. Yeah, I still think he's going to get P5. Let me just go ahead and lay a fun you did, fact I, on you guys. I want to remind you, Noah, that you said you're going to do, you're trying to win this weekend. I am. All right. I'm gonna, uh, first of all, I'm going to give you this fun fact so y'all can understand this. All right. You know what the birthplace of Hungary is? Erno no. Rubik, the inventor of the Rubik's cube. And what are Rubik's cubes? Tricky. They're very tricky. All right. And this is a very tricky race to predict. That's why something tricky is going to happen during the race that'll throw Yalto's predictions off. I'm for, so for P3, going Lando Norris. P2, yeah. going Max Verstappen. And P1, I'm going Charles Clare because I have faith. I have faith. I thought you wanted to be right, not faithful. Well, then I read the fun fact about the Rubik's Cube, and I was like, oh, that's too good. i got to use that. Oh, it's too good. That's I love that. I love that. And you know what? I'll take any contradiction if it was that smooth of a transition. Unlike my body right now, since I've been at the beach the past couple of days, I am not red because of Ferrari. I am red because of the sun. And right now, the person who's powering all of F1 it's Max Verstappen, and I think that's still going to be the case this weekend. Give me Alonso P3. Give me a Lando P2. I'm back-to-back P2s for Lando, and I'm going Max Verstappen. I think they keep riding the momentum, and if not, I'm, I don't know. And then I think Espen Alcon will finish in the top five. I'm kidding. I'm not doing that. I want to see what he does this weekend. Yeah, I'm seeing want to see what he does this weekend. Yeah, but, but you've already said it now, though. So it's out in yeah, the universe. See, like, yeah, like if we were superstitious, that's I'd be like, yeah, he just jinxed his race, man. Even if he said you were kidding, it's just it's over. That's whatever. But whatever. 
that is going to do it for our show this week. We want to thank you all for tuning in. If you missed any today's show, you check it out on your favorite podcast platform after. We'll be back next weekend with our Hungary recap plus our Belgian Grand Prix preview. That'll be our last race show, race uh, preview before we get back to Auburn. But until next week on Weagle 91.1's YouTube, for Ben McClurk and Noah Phillips, I'm Grace Blankberg. This has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.